Hi, welcome to Postpartum Talks, and I'm Donna. Today's episode, we are reviewing lessons we can learn from various books and topics discussed throughout our society, and I'm hoping that today you have your open ears and a willing heart to learn. Join with me on that episode of Postpartum Talks. Welcome back. Hello, and thank you for joining Postpartum Talks. Today, I just want to share with you about a various types of books that I've been reading and sharing with other moms. And I thought maybe today I would share it with my audience. So open your ears and let me just give you a few topics that are in some of these books and the names of these books so that you can go out, either get it online, audio book, or, you know, the paperback, whatever would be more convenient, or even a library. You know, you could stop in anywhere to find a book to read, I'm sure. But these are just some that I thought would be helpful because they kind of catered to some of the topics and concerns that I had when I was um, in my postpartum experience. And I find, wow, I wish some of these um, books were available. A lot more information is more um, handed to us to help us. And especially since after COVID, everybody's more open to share almost anything. So here's some things if you haven't already checked them out. This book is called Your Pregnancy and Childbirth Month to Month. And this is by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Um, This book mostly would share about getting answers you need from the leading experts in pregnancy care and women's health. So what I'm going to do is just share the name of the book, the author, um, what's on the back cover, and then I'm just going to go through what I found interesting and I think would benefit you in your postpartum experience. So the back cover of this book's is showing get the answers you need from the leading experts in pregnancy care and women's health. Your pregnancy and childbirth month to month is written by trusted experts. And let me just go further down. They just want to share on the questions about pregnancy, childbirth, and the postpartum period. So some of the topics you might find in this particular book are what's going on in my body during each month of pregnancy, What can I do to ensure I am as healthy as possible during pregnancy? Are there things I should avoid during pregnancy to protect my health and my baby's health? Where is the safest place to give birth? What signs and symptoms should prompt me to call my healthcare provider? What are my medical and non-medical pain relief options for labor and delivery? How are medical conditions managed during pregnancy? And of course, this would apply to you. How can I best take care of myself in the weeks after childbirth? So yes, this is a full course of um, pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, post-pregnancy. And I thought it would be helpful because sometimes many of us, we do have a second or third child. And it's nice to know that you can refer to different books for different seasons of your life. And especially as women, we need to always be mindful of the stage that we're in our care of our body and the needs that it has and what we need to do to take better care of it. So all I want to talk to you about is bowel movements going to the bathroom. And sometimes after you have a baby, yes, there are difficulties and you'll be delayed with having a bowel movement just because your muscles are so relaxed. Everything is just, you know, 
not quite the same. It takes a few hours, a few days to get everything tightened up or more firm to do things. But with that comes delayed bowel movement. Let me just read to you what's here. Again, I'm reading this from um, your pregnancy and childbirth month to month by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This is the revised sixth edition. This is on page 286, and the topic is bowel movements. It may be hard to have bowel movements for a few days after delivery. There are lots of reasons for this. Stretched abdominal muscles, sluggish bowels as a result of surgery or pain medication, and an empty stomach after not eating during labor. You also may be afraid to move your bowels because of pain from a perineum tear or hemorrhoids. So if you have constipation or painful gas, there are some tips they offer here, such as taking short walks as soon as you can. Now, you don't have to go rushing out to go run to the park and go jogging. That's not what they're suggesting, I'm sure of it, because your body would be healing. And that, that as my suggestion to many of you, was take time for at least six weeks to rest. So that doesn't mean going out doing strenuous activities or even exercises, but it does mean moving around. If you have to get up, after you have to... Um, time to, or you feel comfortable doing, or your permission from your doctor, yes, get up, walk around. If you're going from one end of your room to the other, at least 10 times, things like that, simple things. It's just basically keeping those muscles moving, keeping gravity working for you and not against you. Because laying down, gravity could be pulling everything flat instead of downward. And you want those bowel movements to um, be pushing everything in a downward position. So standing up, moving around, gravity will help for you with that. Okay, now this book has many other topics in here, but if you get a chance, pick it up. My next book to you, of course, many of you may have already had, I don't know how many editions of these books are out here, but the one I have is the third edition, and it's called The Birth Partner, A Complete Guide to Childbirth for Dads, Doulers, and All Other Labor Companions. And this book is by Penny Simpkin. All right, she's um we also have co-author of pregnancy, childbirth, and the newborn. So we have many people joining us to give us something helpful to do um a more productive delivery of our baby, a more healthy us afterwards. You know, it's sad because many times people didn't have all of these resources to help them in their care. Uh, many times women were on their own. So we look at that and we think, wow, they did it. I don't need anyone. But that's not the healthy way. It's a community. This having children, bringing people into your family, this is a community. So it's helpful if you have people around you who are cheering you on the whole time, helping you to heal properly. We discussed this in some of my um, podcast earlier, where in America, many people are left to themselves to just do to take care of themselves. But in other countries, we have found that there are many other places where people are more family-oriented. They are there taking care of the tribe, basically. The families are there supportive, the grandmothers, the great-grandmothers, the aunts. Everybody's surrounded by this woman loving her, bathing her, washing her, cleaning her, and taking care of her baby. Many times, um, you know, sometimes the mom is not even the one even taking care of her baby. And that's a blessing, if your body is healing or if you're in a lot of pain. So I think for us who live in a country that's very, go get them, do what you got to do. You're this independent person and we're really not. I don't want any of you to get offended, but no, we're really not. 
even if you're a single parent, you're not independent. You need help. You need the support of your community. So we don't want to exclude the community just because we're doing this and we have this baby because then now we're shutting out all the blessings the child can have in our society. I'm one as a parent. I know I don't want my kids hanging out with everybody, doing everything just because it's around you. I'm not suggesting that. What I am suggesting is that you allow people who truly have proven that they care about you into your life so they can enjoy your blessing too. So we all like gifts and surprises. Babies are better than that. And people like that. And it brings life. And it's a reminder to all of us of how precious life is. So we want to use all our resources. So um, the back of this book says the birth partner's Bible, actually. And that was just someone, um, Marion Thompson. She's the co-founder of the La Leche League. And on the back of this, we have since the original publication of 1989, new mothers, um, friends and relatives, they have, my, they have found this book to be very helpful. I just want to read down um, to where it shows what's actually maybe updated or added. Again, they could have made another edition because this is a really nice um, resource for many families. But on the back, it says this completely updated edition includes thorough information on preparing for labor and knowing when it has begun, normal labor and how to help the woman every step of the way, epidurals and other medications for labor, non-drug techniques for easing labor pain, cesarean birth and complications that may require it, breastfeeding and newborn care, and of course there's much, much more. So um, one of the parts that I thought would be very interesting, it's on page 332, and this is about the first few days postpartum. So this was part four, and what it's called is suctioning the baby's nose and mouth. And the reason I thought this would be helpful, it is over here where I am now, we are in December, and the weather's getting a little colder. So I've found sometimes babies come home and, you know, a lot of the times they are still getting rid of a lot of mucus, lots of fluid build up, and it just, stuff is just coming out of the top of their nose, their mouth, and of course their bottoms. But many times, you know, when a baby it has developed a little cold, because sometimes again, the weather gets cold. And if you're out and about with your newborn, um, you want to bundle the baby up because cold weather makes cold for a child. But a lot of times a baby, a newborn cannot blow their nose. So you're stuck here with a baby's nose clogged, getting congested and all of this mucus buildup. And many moms don't know what to do. So they have this nice little syringe bulb, rubber bulb that you can kind of um, suction some of the mucus out. Of course, you are to wash this bulb after every use, you know, um, basically if you were to use it two times on the same um, suction use, you would wipe it off. But when you're actually finished using it for that moment, that day, you want to rinse that, wash it with vinegar because you want that vinegar uh, vinegar and some water diluted in and you want that mixture to kind of clean that out okay so water alone is not quite the thing you don't want to um recontaminate you know you're pulling out bacteria now you're putting bacteria in on the next use make sure you clean that out really good leave it out to air dry open the bottom of the bulb now of course there are many new contraptions that they have made and i'm sure some of you new mommies you have all of this already taken care of and there's probably a better way but due to the fact that sometimes I found in my experience that when you have a newborn, you don't want them um, struggling to breathe because your nose is congested. 
And many times you can go sit in the bathroom, get get some steam water um, and have it in your room area if you have a steam pot, or you can go in the bathroom, run your shower and let the steam kind of help to loosen that out. So basically the whole time you want to keep fluid moving. And this is why breastfeeding is so important because you can breastfeed that baby and all that breast milk they're getting is helping that mucus to get thinned out and help flow it out and keep their immunity strengthened. So um, many of you who are breastfeeding, you probably know this already. Those of you who are considering breastfeeding, this is some of the reasons to breastfeed. It does help to constantly give that baby some fluid, constantly keep their immunity going and um, their antibodies strong to help resist against um, bacteria coming into their body or causing any extra sicknesses or diseases. So the tips that they have here are suctioning the baby's nose and mouth. I hope I'm not breaking any. Um, I do share the book. I'm sharing your book. So please give me grace to share this book with my re listeners. Um, the baby's airway may contain mucus, amniotic fluid, with or without meconium or blood. So there are two ways to suck away this fluid. In the most common method, the tip of a rubber bulb syringe is insert inserted into the baby's nostrils and mouth, which is what I um, shared with you. But as soon as the head is out, and this is talking about after delivery. So, you know, excuse me, I didn't read on, but um, this is talking right after. And many of you probably know this because they suction the baby's um, noses, again, for the same reason. So most caregivers do this to all newborns because it's quick and simple and may take less time than determining whether the baby has excessive airway excretions. So they do it automatically. All right. Um, so the purpose of suctioning is done to clear the airway of secretions, especially if the baby's unable to cough or sneeze to remove them or to assist a baby who is not breathing. So they do, um, you know, they offer disadvantages and alternatives. So I'll go over the alternative. You and the mother can ask the caregiver to withhold suctioning of the mouth and nose unless the baby's unable to rid the airway of secretions. So sometimes people are not sure what they should do during um, delivery of their baby. Now we're just going to back up a little bit. I know we're talking about postpartum, but suctioning is still something that um, you should be aware of. All right. So some people do um, have this process done, not by choice, not because they ask, but because there's a need, you know, the, the person delivering or supporting you to having your baby notices, Hey, let's just clear this baby's nose airway out. Let's get rid of all this extra gook. And um, that's usually a good thing. You know, I know sometimes the babies do come out and they're still having fluid in them. So you see little bubbles, you know, even once the baby is out, bubbles and they are coming out their mouth because they're still getting rid of fluid. So we want to make sure the babies are fine. And but again, you do have the option to tell someone, no, let's try something else. Because again, you people don't want the extra suction, the hard discomfort of this. All right. Of this hard object being suctioning out fluid from their babies, their infants' body so quickly. They want to give the baby a chance to get rid of this themselves. But again, you know, everybody's at their own discretion. No one's judging you. Um, you're there. And I tell you, when you're having a baby, you can have all the plans in the world. But at that moment, when that child's coming out, you're not always going to be the one to do things. So this is why we have assistance, why we have community to help us. And if you chose to go to midwife or a hospital, you are trusting these people to help you. And you're going to have to trust sometimes along the way that maybe if you can't, they will have to do it. All right. Um, but I was sharing about the suctioning to help with babies after they're out, after they're home. 
Okay. And again, because there's still mucus. So these are things that you can still have. Again, they were talking about a rubber um, suction ball, not anything too hard and, and rigorous. You control the pressure by squeezing that gently, or, you know, you can still control the pressure. So if you find it too much, too little, you can adjust that by how much you're squeezing and how fast you're squeezing it. So, um, this book, I find that, um, it helps with many things. It's also helping to give you an understanding of what was happening to you while you were delivering. Because sometimes after we have our babies, we are so excited. Our energy level, our adrenaline is kicking everywhere. And we're forgetting a lot about exactly what just happened to us. So I find when we read books like this, especially if we're still in our um, birthing seasons, you know, you're still able to have babies. It's just nice to read. It's nice to be aware of what's going on with the body so that, you know, if you're in that position, you know, you have some understanding and it's sure enough will alleviate so much stress and fears because you'll be in the know. You'll understand what's happening. Now, there's a smaller book because many of us, um, well, I shouldn't say many of us because I don't know exactly what books you've read or what trainings you've taken or the, the level of understanding you have. But before, there would be many books on pregnancy, childbirth, and the newborn, and then now they have the first year of, um, you know, after the first year of being pregnant, the first nine months, the first year after. So there's so many books out. But one book I like, was preparing for a healthy baby. This is a little book, but it has everything in it. One, two, three. And of course, the back of it says it's easy to read and it's easy to understand. This book is actually, let's see who it's by, because that's going to help. This book was written by Candice Moore Drake, who was an RN. So the first thing about this is keeping healthy during pregnancy, the stages of pregnancy, growth of the baby, concerns about pregnancy, getting prepared for delivery and after delivery. I think this is great. It's very, it's so easy to understand. You don't have, she has some pictures in here, you know, drawings, black and white. Um, but it also goes over postpartum exercises. It goes over, um, breastfeeding, how to have a good start with breastfeeding. You know, if you're relaxed and the baby's um, sucking, then you're going to get a good milk supply, different tips like that. But one thing I just wanted to um, share with you was about health alerts. And this was just on page 17. Again, it's a thin book. It is not a big, thick book. So this would be a nice book to pick up, um, basically just to get some understanding of what's happening with your body without having to bulk around a heavy um, hard cover book or some thick paperback. So, you know, it's a smaller book, but I hope you get something out of it. But, um, the flu vaccine is recommended by the CDC for all pregnant women. Now that was just, again, this is an older book. So please, I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm just sharing some books that I've can't come across. And I thought maybe some of you women would want to hear what someone else is talking about. You know, sometimes it's nice. I appreciate all of you coming on. But even sometimes I want to hear and learn too with you. So these are other books outside of myself sharing. Um, you don't have to take any of this advice. You don't have to listen to any of this. You can hear and just disagree with everything. But again, I'm just sharing with you. So let's um, review that. So we just have the, um, the following are considerations to keep in mind during pregnancy. So... People have so many concerns. Again, I guess many of you know already about COVID. So that's not, this is not, um, un, we are not in a, a reality check where we don't know what's happening. We are very much aware of the health 
the health that can happen, the changes, the dangers, um, the concerns that we all may have, especially if we do have a baby or even if we are pregnant. So um, this topic says the following are considerations to keep in mind during pregnancy. Aerosols, insecticides, and paint. Cats, raw meat, colds or flu, dental work. So there's so many different things here we could discuss, but let me just run down to colds or flu. You want to check your temperature twice a day. If it's over 100.3 degrees, you want to call your doctor. This is if you're pregnant. Okay, maintain a balanced nutrition. Incre increase your rest. Use a cool mist humidifier when sleeping. Again, that's to keep your air moist, not so dry. Um, it's not to keep it moist where it's soaking wet and you're just breathing in, you know, dirt and air and everything else. We don't want any extra problems. But in other words, don't don't breathe in dry heat. You know, you want to keep in moist. Uh, I actually, this is something I do. I keep my windows open at least half an inch practice to keep clean air circulating. Because even in the wintertime, we can have our heat on and it's blowing heat. You know, you think you're in a sauna. But unfortunately, we are building up air that we're breathing in and out. We're breathing in and out. And there's other people. If you have other people in your home, we are all sharing the same germs. So if you don't open up your window and circulate some air out, you are not circulating clean air, cleaner air into your home. Okay. Um, so we have here dental work. Your mouth's bacteria and acid alkaline balance to change during pregnancy. This may make you more prone to cavities. So it's a good idea to have a professional cleaning of your teeth and gums early in pregnancy to prevent inflammation of the gums that many women experience. Inform your dentist, of course, that you're pregnant because, you know, they love to give x-rays. They love to take pictures. But make sure you speak up for yourself. Um, you can do this even after you have your baby if you have to go for a checkup. I recommend it. Um, I did have some dental problems because of the pregnancies, the amount of pregnancy I had. So I had to really take care of my teeth. And I was disappointed because I did not take it seriously. So even though you may know these things, as I said before, it is good to have a community because we need reminders sometimes of what we're not doing, um, if it's wrong or if it's detrimental to our, our long-term health. So we want to pay attention to these little tips. Okay. So what about cats and raw meat? So cats are the primary carriers of um, toxoplasmosis, which is an infection that can cause birth defects. This organism is found in the raw meat and the feces of cats. So what's some of the tips people recommend to avoid any problems? Wash your hands after handling cats. Don't empty their, kit, their cat litter and don't eat raw meat. When gardening, use gloves. Cats may use your garden as a litter box. So these are some things for some of you cat lovers you know, just be cautious. Again, you can have a um, a Chinese water dragon. You have to wash your hands after every use of any pet. Wash your hands, soap and water, dry them off. Once you have your baby, wash your hands, soap and water. You know, you don't want to um, cross-contaminate by picking up cat litter and you wash your hands or you dried it with something that maybe you should have dried it with a paper towel. Clean up properly after yourself. Keep it hygienic, um, healthy in your home. Let the, let the family know, hey, this is what we're doing. Not just because a baby is here, but because you're here. You know, we're all living. We want a clean, healthy place to, to sleep in, a clean, healthy place to breathe in. And of course, when we're handling and touching food and um, skin, we don't want any cross-contamination, any rashes or any diseases to affect us or our baby. All right. So again, this book is very simple. And um, you, I would recommend this. Nice and easy. One, two, three. Like they said, it's easy to read and it's easy to understand. Nothing too hard. Um, I have two more.
Okay, so this one, I liked it. It's called The Taste of Our Own Medicine. This was by Danette Bean. Um, this says three vital keys to ending postnatal depletion, nurturing mothers, and improving communities. So I read some of this before um, to my readers, my listeners. There is an epidemic that affects one out of every two mothers. No one talks about it, but many women feel it fatigue. All right, emotional and memory issues and hormonal and other complications that can be debilitating and even life-threatening. It's called postnatal depletion. Being depleted after having a baby can last years after giving birth, often leading to later health complications. I'm bringing this book out to you because I I know I was um, postpartum, postnatal depleted, and I didn't understand that, you know, because the only understanding I knew of any problems basically was either um, bleeding or postpartum depression. So yes, many people go through different um, changes in their body. And some of us go through it differently. Some of us go through it more extreme than others, but it doesn't take away that what you're going through is you just had a baby and your body's exhausted. This is why you need that six week rest. This is why you need to eat healthy. This is why you need people coming to visit you, making sure you're eating, you're moving around, you're getting enough fluids in your body. And we're not talking about sodas and coffee. We're talking about fresh fruits and vegetables, water, clean water. And of course, if you like um, dairy products, milk, you know, we want to stay with our supplements. We want to stay healthy. We want to stay happy. And if you're healthy and you're fed and you ate right and you slept right and you're moving about, you're going to be a happier mother. You're going to be a happier caretaker to your family. So let's think of all the good things that we can do instead of the bad things that we don't want to do. But I'm telling you, postnatal depletion, very serious. Okay, so we don't know. Of course, this is what she says. I didn't know where I was. I blinked my eyes. I saw folders and all kinds of stationery. The light was halogen straight ahead. There were people working behind registers. I looked to my left and saw past glass doors. It was night out. I had to concentrate because the one thing I knew was that I wasn't home and somehow I needed to get there and get to my baby. So they told her focus. She said, she told herself that's focused on me. I kept telling myself, why am I here? If I could figure that out, then maybe it could help me to get home. Somehow I made my way out of the door and tried to find a taxi. This wasn't the first time I felt this way, nor would it be the last. So she was experiencing many changes. Um, her tiredness, her weariness, her um, doctors and stuff, um, talking to her, telling her, maybe you should let's stop working so much. This was after she went back to work. So um, she recognizes that um, she was feeling different, but she thought she was losing her mind. This is what she talks about um, later on in the book because she's feeling, you know, different things. Um, so we don't really know what's going on. You know, um, fat and nutrition loss, the type of labor and birth that you had, your postnatal life, okay, the stress and the trauma. These are all things that can help to increase this, our lifestyle. So, again, if we are drinking alcoholic beverages, if we're just so busy, um, alcohol, first of all, is very drying to the body. If you need your body to be um, healthy, you know, along with age, you need to be aware. You are pulling your body is making a baby and it's pulling your body as a resource for it. So it's basically, hey, we're going to take care of this baby first and we're going to pull from you to get what this baby needs, you know. So she talks about how do we, how can we um, 
get out of this postnatal depletion and, um, you know, all these different things. How do we stop it? So sleeping, nutritious foods and peace. Okay, so I'm going to read something to you. She said, regardless of ancestry, many women in our country have been told that the newer Western medical approach to pregnancy and birth is better than the traditional approach of indigenous um, cultures, and that it is necessary to accept this model if you want the best for your baby. She said, I'm very much an advocate of patient-centered medicine, using any and all medical practices that are most helpful to the patient and her health, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, but she said she found some of these practices with the um, indigenous people seem to be centered in assisting a woman to trust in her innate female in female intuition. So basically, if you're feeling, and which is what she was sharing, she was feeling odd, she was feeling tired, in the, and she was reaching out and trying to get some advice and help. But because it wasn't blood, because it wasn't um, something they could measure besides how she was feeling by what she shared, basically her um, emotions and her body was telling her, yes, something's wrong. But because it could not be weighed out by someone else at that time, they did not see it as a serious problem. So because you can't always see these things, we take it for granted that nothing's happening, that nothing's going on. Um, we want to be um, wiser. We want to make better decisions. We want to do things that can encourage us. This is why some people do um, seek out doulas, you know, postpartum doulas, because our team may not be what we have available. Um, so we may have an at-home postnatal care team. This is something else she talks about. She says, if the mother has a partner, a good amount of the weight and responsibility can fall on them, particularly in many typical um, nuclear households in the United States. A partner may love the new mother intensely and just not have a clue of what to do because hormonal changes, the lack of sleep, the adjustment to a new life, the health of the family, the finances, and more contributes to a complex situation, which at best can put strain on a relationship. So I think what we need to pay attention to is we need to get help. We need um, resources of food, water, rest, um, the reality that we need to be aware that our body is healing. So we can respect the body. We want to know, hey, let's respect it enough to take care of it. I don't want to read through all of everything here, but there is so much, so much things that you can learn from it. Um, here's something where another, let me just get the correct person here. Okay. So this chapter was a list of key things that personally helped her to recover from postnatal depletion. And again, this had to do with her diet. She had chicken herb soup. She had, um, quiet places. She even used earplugs. She had flavored water because, again, a lot of people don't like water and they don't know how to get it down. But if your body needs the water to keep everything flowing and free in your body, you may want to add this. And, of course, taking it slow. She used acupuncture, um, different self-healing ways of getting a nap, yoga. And, again, she did some walks and um, she had help from her doulas and her husband. So I just want to let you know that... Um, you're not by yourself. This is not something that you need to be discouraged about. And again, I don't know if I went over what the depletion is. Basically, your resources of your own body, your minerals and your vitamins are tearing, being torn down, you know, because you are stressing your body. So your body's under more stress. You didn't rest or maybe the baby pulled a lot. Maybe then your vitamins weren't enough. Maybe you just didn't rest. And now your body's trying to compensate, getting you 
to a certain level of health and it's just not happening as fast as you would like and what's actually going on your body's wearing out you're feeling exhausted um your teeth maybe again your teeth may start bleeding um you find yourself very achy or painful 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 joints your body is showing you something is wrong but again if you're exhausted the first thing to do is eat rest and drink something okay so if you keep that in mind that's something you can do on your own that is something you can work with this book um it says it's the number one online bestseller for 2017 so that's how long this book has been out oh um that's how long i have that book Again, you know, I want to share things with you because I want you to develop your own stages of life and I want you to be free with yourself, to be okay with learning. And if you're experiencing any of these changes, you know, of course, seek your medical advisor, get help, ask, speak, talk to people, share. But if you're aware of these things, again, you don't have to be postpartum depressed to have postpartum situations that you need help with. Don't delay yourself. So this is one of... um. This was the last book, but this was my favorite book. I sharing, I'm sharing this. This is called The Hidden Feelings of Motherhood, Coping with Stress, Depression, and Burnout. This was by Kathleen Kendall Tagbett. She's a PhD. And the reason I like this book was, one, you know, she's sharing real feelings with different family members, different people, different concerns that people had. And this part was about challenging child. All right? So sometimes we do have our children, and they don't always come out where things are, um, you know, cover magazine of everything looking like it's wonderful. Each child is born differently and they come up with different needs. We are different at every stage that we have a child in, especially if you're getting older, your body's changing, you're a little wiser. So things may not be much of a concern to you as they were earlier, or you may have more concerns because you're concerned about your age. But I'm just letting you know, as if you had a baby, your body's more than capable of taking care of this child. You just need to be confident and trust that your body knows what it's doing and assist it by feeding it, helping letting it get fresh air, moving around and drinking, drinking, drinking clean water. Here's my last thing I just want to read to you from this book, learn how much information to share. So when dealing with any family issue that is outside the norm, you need to learn, usually through trial and error, how much information you should share with others. Sometimes we mothers offer way too much explanation, usually in an apologetic way. On the other hand, a forthright, non-defensive request for the help your child needs can go a long way. Here's the example she uses. She says, for example, you might explain to the mother of a classmate that your child can't go to her house to play because the environment may not be accessible to your child. If your child uh, um, is in a wheelchair, if your child is uh, weakened and they certain uh, maybe the family has pets and your child can't be around pets, we don't have to always explain, my child doesn't like pets. We can just basically, hey, you know what? It may not be beneficial for my child to be there. How about you guys come over? And this is the example that she's using. Because the environment may not be accessible for your child, but that you would be happy to have her child over to play at your house. Now, this is a little, um, when we're dealing with kids who are a little older, maybe at least two years old, but I just want to encourage you, this is a really good book to read. I find this, I left it last because I thought it was the best I thought this is something that people don't talk about. Again, the title is The Hidden Feelings of Motherhood. And I think sometimes we just don't share. We don't talk um, because many times people do not understand. People sometimes don't want to understand. 
or sometimes we all think we know everything and we have to tell someone, you should do this, you should do that without listening to them. So I have been guilty of that myself over the many years of, um, you know, my birthing season and having friends who was having their own babies or meeting new moms. So I've learned, and I thank God through um, my doula services that I don't have to know everything and I don't have to share everything. I can listen to every mom's um, reasoning of what her goals are for herself. And that has taught me way more than what I could have possibly brought to her just by listening to her. So please don't feel afraid to ask or talk to people. But if you can't, for whatever the reason, this book would be one to look at. The Hidden Feelings of Motherhood, again, it's by Kathleen Kendall um, Taggett. And it's called also Coping with Stress, Depression, and Burnout. I hope this helps you. I know this was very long, but I think it was very helpful. Again, um, I'm Donna. This is Postpartum Talks. I want you to enjoy your day, enjoy your family, preparing for your new baby or enjoying your newborn. Either way, your life is important. Take care of yourself. Enjoy your life. Enjoy being a woman. Enjoy every part of it. Enjoy all the people that want to be a part of it. Enjoy them. And those that you can or those that don't understand you at this season, that's all it is. It's just a season. And it's okay if you have to calmly separate, pull back a little bit from certain people or certain groups or certain activities until you take care of yourself. Okay? Blessings to you. And again, thank you for joining and listening to Postpartum Talks.